Lift our hands in total praise to you. Oh, goodness. Your peace you give me in the storm. I don't know how many of you feel like you're in a storm this week, but God's peace is given you right in the midst of the storm. Can you be in touch with that? Sometimes the storm is getting pretty rocky and the waves are pretty high and we might feel like we don't have any rudder at all. In the midst of that storm, God's peace is given to us. I trust that this morning. I trust that each and every day that God's peace, even just breathing in and breathing out, I can remember God's love, God's peace for me. That song brings us a truth this morning in the midst of the storm, God's peace. And if we feel like we've lost our way or our why or our purpose or our meaning, God's peace is right there with us, even in that moment when we might not be able to be in touch with it, when it seems so far away. I like the reading from our contemporary source this morning, as Brian McLaren says, Give up doing everything. Find that one thing that you're called to do. Give up everything. If you can give up the everything, you can give up the burden of everything, and you might find God's peace in doing the one thing that you are especially designed to do. You know, so, so it's kind of hard because if we hold on to everything, then we can pretend we're in control, right? Instead of letting go of all the many pieces and maybe focus on the one we know we can do or feel passionate about or are called to do. See, I think we have an example in the Apostle Paul this morning. Paul had his one thing, and he knew what it was. We've been reading about it throughout this whole book of Romans. We're still in chapter 11 today. But his one thing was so that the church of Jesus that showed the love in God did not stay a small family group. That the church that was God's love for the world was bigger than any particular family or group and that it had to be shared. God's one thing was Gentiles are invited into this family of faith. Paul's one thing was all of us together are a part of the family of faith. And Paul sounds like a broken record because he says it over and over again in different ways, in different ways, in different ways, with different metaphors. He uses as many as he can think of to try and drive the point home. God's love is bigger than you can imagine and extends to more people farther than you can imagine. And we have to get out of the way so that God can do this magnificent thing. Paul knew Paul's one thing. And he stuck with it. He, he got in trouble for it sometimes, too, for sticking with it. In places where they didn't want to hear that particular word. That the word's bigger than you. It includes other people. And so I ask you this morning if you know your one thing. You know, are you clear on your purpose? In the storm, maybe you're struggling for what that one thing is. Maybe it used to be something, but it's not that anymore. And maybe it's something else that you haven't yet found yet. That you're just swimming around trying to experiment and find what that next thing is for you. And I share that today because we have two opportunities coming up for you to explore just that. 
One, I invite you to experiment with service. Uh, over in the activities building after this worship service, there'll be some barbecue for food, but also some tables set up. We invite you to look at those tables and see what you might feel called to experiment with. To be an usher for a season. To be a prayer partner at the prayer wall for a season. To help serve communion for a season. To teach our children for a season. All of these things that you may not have tried before that you might say, okay, for a season, I can experiment. And see if maybe that's one thing God's calling me to be a part of. And then even in more deeper depth than that service, is for three months, one weekend a month, coming up starting in August, we're doing Creating a Life That Matters. It was created by our denomination to answer that question for people, to help them answer the question, why? And what is that one thing? How do I matter? What is my meaning? What is my purpose in the world? Creating a Life That Matters It's going to be one whole weekend in August, one whole weekend in September, and one whole weekend in October. So it's a big investment because you have to do all three weekends. Talks about how you approach the sacred and how as you approach the sacred, you understand yourself in connection with the sacred. And then ultimately how you find your one thing, your passion, your why for being in the world. So I invite you to look at that. It's in your bulletin, Creating a Life That Matters, and see if maybe you're ready for that kind of deeper experimentation to see what God may be doing in your life. And expect your world to sort of be shaken up. As you do that kind of work, sometimes it can feel like you are in the midst of a storm when really what it is is God's peace is trying to bubble up if you just stay still long enough for it to find you. So Paul knew his one thing. Do we know our one thing? The Gentiles heard it in Paul. The Gentiles heard him say, this love transformed me. I was this way, and I am not any longer. I have been saved. I have been set free. I am a new person, and you can be this too. And Paul said it from that place in his heart. I was, but now I am, and people were able to hear him. Gentiles, non-Jewish folks, came on to the church because they heard his heart. I don't know what your one thing may be, but maybe people will be able to hear your heart once you are able to find it. Sometimes I've heard people say this wonderful phrase. It's, um, um, well, I am a New Testament Christian. Have you heard that? I'm a New Testament Christian. And some of them go so far to say, I only read the red letters in the New Testament. That's the kind of Christian I am. Just Jesus' words, the red letters in the New Testament. But I'm a New Testament Christian. And what it often means is that they don't put any uh, weight on the Hebrew Scriptures. The Old Testament is just sort of amputated from God's holy word and left behind. And so these New Testament Christians, while they're trying to say a good thing, I believe in Jesus and I put my emphasis on Christ... You cannot know who Jesus is by amputating his story. You cannot even approach the meaning of what Jesus is saying in parables unless you've looked at the Hebrew scriptures and the stories and how they're grounded in that. That's the root from which we understand and explore who Jesus is in our life. So if you said, I'm a New Testament Christian before, I want you to say, I'm a whole Bible Christian from now on. 
And I want you to be willing to explore from Genesis to Revelation the whole thing because when we do that, then we can find the whole story. So see, the reason that's important this morning is that some of the Gentile Christians were saying to the Jewish Christians, we don't have to know any of that stuff. And they were saying, we don't even need you to be a part of this church. Last week, Paul was talking to the Jewish Christians. Now he's talking to the Gentile Christians. And he's saying to them, you need them too. You cannot amputate the story of God's love and faith in this way. You need them. They are the root into which you're grafted. In my own life, this happened once when I was 12 years old. My mom got married, and the way she said it, we went down to St. Paul's United Methodist Church down in Houston, right there by Meekum Fountain, went to the chapel all together, and my mom said, we got married. Not I got married, but we got married. My sister Terry and I and my mom, I was uh, 11, 12 years old, and then uh, married my dad, Bobby, and his daughter, Elizabeth. And so this merged family, she said, we got married. But then she said something that had a little weight to it, and it was, now we have a life, and a new life begins. And it was said with the intention to mean, don't remember the other stuff. Don't remember everything else that's happened in your life before now. Forget the briefly lived abusive marriage. Forget the other things that have happened in our life, and start here. And, oh, I know what adoption feels like. I know what it means to have been afraid. I know what it means to have your family always in a place of threat. I know what it means to not know whether you had the food on the table that was necessary. I know what those things mean. And then I know what it meant to have our family get married and a year later be adopted and have a new name and have safety and have security and have peace that I had not known before, peace that I didn't even know that I needed, that gift of grace, that gift of love that was just showered on my sister and I through we getting married. But later, when I was 24 years old, I realized that those first 12 years of my life mattered. For me to know healing, for me to grow spiritually, for me to be able to ask for my why, I'm in the world, and my purpose in the world. I had to go back and spend time with those first 12 years because they mattered. We cannot truncate off God's love by throwing away years of our own life. Gentiles and other Christians cannot truncate God's love and the story of Holy Scripture by throwing away the Old Testament. We must use God's whole story of love to us or we won't understand Jesus. We will simply miss the point. There is a heresy known as Marcionism. And so if you've been one of those New Testament Christians who threw away the Old Testament, you were practicing what's called Marcionism. And I love heresies because heresy, by definition, means part truth. There's a truth in there, but it's only part truth. And you have to keep exploring it to find out more truth. So Paul is talking to the Gentiles today. He knows he is the apostle to Gentiles, and he's about greater inclusion in the church. And he's telling them to be careful to pay attention. You were grafted in to this tree, this tree that has deep roots rooted deep in the ground. And, you know, Paul was a city boy. He was not a farmer. 
So you have to watch out when he's using farm metaphors. Jesus knew the farm metaphors better than Paul. But in this case, he's talking about a tree that gets grafted with new branches, specific branches, an olive tree that has a wild olive shoot grafted into the trunk. And he says, that is who the Gentiles are. That's who you are. And he says, don't go about boasting of your newbound faith and telling other people they don't matter. You are grafted into the tree. You are grafted into something that's rooted so deep in God's love. You can't do without it. You can't survive without it. This is who you are. Don't boast over others. Be humble and receive God's love that you have been grafted in. He even goes on to say God's grafting in of the Gentiles was God doing something unnatural. The word is paraphazine, and I have a scripture verse I want you to see where it's used. It's in Romans chapter 11, verse 24. For if you've been cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature, paraphazine, into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches, branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? Two things in this. Paul is saying those who feel lost at the moment have a chance, always a chance to be grafted back in. No one is lost forever. They can be grafted back into the tree. But this paraphazine word is important, particularly to the LGBT community, in the first chapter of Romans, we heard the verses, they gave up what was natural for unnatural, and that's been used to blame LGBT people. When in essence, it was just saying they're doing something that's out of the norm, that's unusual, okay? It wasn't anything sinful or evil. So Paul takes it a step further in this verse and says, God does something paraphrasing. So, so he's talking to the Jews at the time. He says, the Gentiles are doing some things that are paraphrasing. And he says, well, you know what? God does that too. God behaves in that way. If anyone calls you unnatural ever again, say, oh, you mean I'm like God? Oh, you mean like in Romans? Can we be like God together? You know, and make sure it keeps expanding and expanding and expanding, becoming more and more what the kingdom is supposed to look like. The LGBT community is pretty good at this. You know what alphabet soup is? You know all those letters we put together to name different groups because we know that we've been invisible for too long and we need a letter to show that we're not invisible, right? So if my letter's not in there, I don't count. And so what have we done? L-G-B-T-Q-Q-I-A-S-G-L. Right? We've done this. You know, but I, I would say it's what Paul is talking about. We ourselves are grafted into this tree of faith. And as we experiment with, with new and new, more communities who have found themselves invisible, we want them to be seen and also know that they're grafted into this family of faith as well. So I'm going to do a, a test with you. Who knows the first four letters? Oh, every hand in this room should, should be up. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. Okay, what's on the next one? C. Cisgender. Transgender is when you're born with a body that doesn't match your understanding spiritually of who you are, and you transition to the body that matches who God knows you to be. Cisgender means you're born with a body and the spirit that understand in the same way 
A. Ally. There's another A. Asexual. So allies and asexual persons. You're visible to us. You're visible and part of the movement. Q. Oh, did I miss an I? How could I make intersex people invisible? <laughs> you know, intersex. Those who are born with uh, sexual organs that are both and or somehow in between that we sometimes try to make one or the other instead of allowing them to be. Q. Q. Very good. Queer. Questioning. Now, what about those who knows what SGL is? No? Same gender loving. In the history of our movement, in the history of our movement, homosexual was a white word, and people within communities of color didn't understand it to apply to them. And so they created their language for themselves, how they knew love, and it was same gender loving. So if you're a white person and you didn't know it, it's because you've never used it in your neighborhood before or your family before. But same gender loving was a way of expressing people of color as being LGBT. And then we go on. We go on to P for polyamory, F for fluid. Our young people, they're giving us new letters. <laughs> I don't know if I like it or not, but, I have to, you know, but we have to keep learning fluid. And what does it mean also to be straight in a part of the family? Yay. What does it mean to be metrosexual and part of a family? Now, are we done? Paul is telling us in Romans that God's love continues to expand and to expand and to expand. We need to be those people of Romans who understand it for what it is. LGBT, C-A-A-I-Q-Q. So you might not remember them all in order. You know what? It's okay. Just try. Because it's important that our folks are not invisible. We have all been grafted and rooted in to this tree of faith that has been expressed to us in the love we know in Jesus. We've been grafted in a wild olive shoot into a cultivated tree. And you get to bring your wildness with you Because when you put a branch into a tree, it keeps who it is. So the cultivated tree and the cultivated olives is now also going to have wild olives along the same tree. So you get to keep who you are. Bring your wildness in so that it can expand the body of Christ. Continue to be who you are, it says by this metaphor from Paul. Your identity doesn't change, but your whole why may change. Your whole purpose may change. Your whole way of being in the world and God's love may change. So here we are, grafted in ourselves, asked to remember what it means to be rooted in God's love through the stories of faith that are generations, generations, and generations old. Our beauty is a part of it now. Our wildness is a part of it and celebrated now. Our paraphysine, our contrary to nature way of being, is celebrated and made whole. There's a story of a man named Sam Van Aken who knew his one thing. He was a botanist and he cared for God's creation and God's world. And Sam found a little three-acre orchard that was ancient. And no one was taking care of it. 
and it was about to be plowed under. And so he bought the lease on this three acres of land. And what he found on the land were all these varieties of trees that gave fruit that we don't have anymore. Because the way we do groceries these days picks a certain kind of fruit for a single serving and size and color and taste. And so all of these different varieties were going to soon be lost to the world. And Sam said he didn't like that. And so he took a lease on those three acres of orchard and he built some trees that were healthy and rooted. And he started to graft these ancient trees onto them. He took the wild plums and apricots and started grafting them into the cultivated trees. And he says he has a vision. He has a vision that all of them will be saved. And what it will look like, he started with like four on a tree, then eight on a tree, and 12 on a tree. His goal is 40 different varieties of ancient trees fruiting on the same tree trunk. It's going to look something like this when it ends up. All the different trees blooming and offering their own fruit, keeping their character, being beautiful together. Do you know where MCC is on there in this Christian tree? Maybe it's the bright fluorescent pink. Maybe not. But we are all grafted in to God's love shown through us in Jesus made historical in the rootedness of the Jews that we are one family together, can we find our one thing? Can we let go of everything? Do you think you can let go of everything to find the one thing God's calling you to be a part of at this time in your life? And to maybe experiment, have it be okay to fall and to get up again? Will you allow yourself to be grafted into the larger story that is larger than the cosmos? Will you allow yourself to be grafted in to a story larger than the cosmos? If you do, you may find your why, your one thing. Will you search, explore, and experiment to find what God would have you do today. Oh, people of resurrection, you are, by God's grace, contrary to nature. May you remember it and always be so. Amen. <laughs>